Well, this month we've been uh, doing a series of, I guess we can call it character sketches, talking about different ones in the scripture that you may or you may not know, and giving you light on those whom you may know and those whom you may not know, and teaching you something from their life that affects yours. And application of scripture is very, very important for the believer. How to take these truths found in God's word and apply them to your life. They're really useless if you're not applying them. They're really useless if you're not re relying on them, especially in difficult times. And this morning I wanna talk about Lydia. How many of you know the name of Lydia from the scripture? And you probably know something about her, her business, and we'll get into that in a little while. I'm linking Lydia to something called the Macedonian call. How many of you have ever heard of that? There's a hymn that uses that term, Macedonian call. Uh, the Apostle Paul just completed his first of three missionary journeys. And that first trip, he's been led by the Holy Spirit to preach the gospel and plant churches in what the, was called the Roman Empire, what the Roman Empire called Asia. And eventually it became known as Asia Minor. It was a province, a province of Rome organized in 129 BC. It stretched from the Mediterranean Sea east to Galatia, north to Bithynia. Seven churches listed in the book of Revelation, chapters two and three are named from that area. Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. They're all there for you to see. Paul and his missionary partners are seriously contemplating going back to Asia and continue the work there. People have plans. I'm sure you've made plans in your life. You decided you were gonna do ABC and uh, DEF happened. Paul and Silas and all these other guys have got this plan in mind. This is what they're going to do. The call to ministry is not just a matter of what, it's also a matter of where. I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt as circumstances began to come together that when we moved out here in the 1970s that it was God who got us out here. We attended the only church and I was a, I was a member of the only Church of the Brethren in Brooklyn, New York. And then, never knowing it, I moved a mile away from the only Church of the Brethren in New Jersey. You call that a coincidence? I call that a God incident. And the privilege to stand before you this morning and share God's word came from all of that. If a Christian is going to answer the call to ministry, they must also answer the call to where that ministry is to be lived out. Because whomever God calls, he also commissions. Whomever God commissions, he also empowers. And God prepares a called person for a particular ministry in a particular time for such a time as this. It's not accidental, it's not a matter of a job interview, it's not a matter of your resume, it's not a matter of any of those things. It's a matter of being called by God to a certain place. If you read a book called The Cross and the Switchblade, how many of you remember the, the book called The Cross and the Switchblade? It was turned into a, into a movie and it was about Dave Wilkerson and he was the founder of the group that's going to be coming in a couple of weeks to sing for us, Teen Challenge. And how did it come about that Dave Wilkerson founded Teen Challenge? He was a Midwestern pastor, a small rural church just like this, and he was watching the news one morning, and there was a story about a group of kids in Brooklyn who were involved with gangs and killings. And he saw them interview one particular young kid, Nicky Cruz, a real bad guy, 
And for some reason that only the Holy Spirit knows, he laid, Dave Wilkinson's heart was laid by, uh, by Nicky Cruz. When he heard Nicky Cruz express the story of his life, it just touched his heart. And, D and Dave knew one thing. He had to go to Brooklyn, and he had to witness to this young fellow. And he had to see if he could persuade him to follow Jesus. And if you read the book, you read some of the harrowing experiences that Dave, this innocent country preacher, going to Brooklyn, on the streets of Brooklyn, and one of the first things that happens, he gets robbed. And the second thing that happens, he gets a knife put in his face. Did that deter him? Did he get on a bus and head home? He was called by the Lord, and he knew it beyond a shadow of a doubt. And he knew that God would get him through whatever it is. Nicky Cruz received Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior and went on to go into ministry there and then. So this morning I have an interview of how God works out these introductions to where to go. And it's an introduction and an interview this morning with a Philippian businesswoman. Her name is Lydia. She's one of a group of people in the city of Philippi, and they were called, very interestingly, God-fearers. They were called the God-fearers. They come into the open spaces of the city to pray and worship God, and I've come to find out what that means. And so, let me introduce you to Lydia. You may know her by another name, but forget that for this morning, will you? Here's the woman who invited us to come to this gathering. Good morning, Miss Lydia. Good morning, I'm so glad you came. Well, you folks have been seen throughout the city, usually in the peaceful corners, just outside the busy streets. My listeners are curious as to who you all are and why you gather together like that. We're a small group of Jewish and Gentile women who believe in and worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In this city, that is a tiny minority of most of the people here worship different gods. Most are Roman citizens and worship the gods of Rome. How often do you meet? We meet regularly on the Sabbath, which is the last day of the week on the Jewish calendar. We also meet other times during the week as time permits. And I know that uh, you don't have a lot of permitting time because you're a very busy business person. My business is very important. It contributes to my family well-being. I sell purple cloth, it's very expensive, and my customers are very demanding. So, my schedule is set by them. But I make time each week to worship the Lord and fellowship with my spiritual family. If it's not on the Sabbath, it will be another day in the week to read, study scripture, and pray. So we don't have a lot of time left as your group is about to meet. So one more question. When you meet to pray, what do you pray about? We pray to praise God. We pray for our family and others. And we pray God will send us someone to reveal the truths of the scripture, which we believe speak of the promised Messiah, one who will come, as Isaiah writes, to preach good tidings unto the meek, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to proclaim the, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and to make all this known to the Gentiles as well as the Jews. Well, maybe God will answer your prayer and send someone to reveal these things. Thank you for sharing your faith. When we know more, we will tell anyone we can 
Thank you for coming. Thank you for doing the interview this morning. I'll, I'll never look at you the same way again. And I'll want to know the price of purple next week. So let's pick up this account in the scripture. Acts chapter 16, verses 6 to 15. Stand with me as we share this account, and you see where this is going to begin to go here in a minute. Acts 16, verses 6 to 15. As I read. Now, when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, and they were come to Mysia, they assayed to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. As they passed by, Mysia came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go to Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel unto them. Therefore, verse 11, loosing from Troas, we came straight to the course of Samothrachia, and the next day to Neapolis, and from hence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony. And we were in that city abiding certain days. And on the Sabbath, we went out to the city by a riverside, where prayer was being wont to be made. And we sat down and spake unto the woman, women who, which restored thither. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened. Then she attended unto us, which was spoken of Paul. And when she had baptized and her household, she besought us, saying, If we have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house, abide there. And she constrained us. Thanks. You may be seated. It's interesting. Over here, you have these folks praying that God would lead somebody to their fellowship who would preach to them the truth of the then called scripture. What they had in their hands and called a scripture was the writings of the prophets and the writings of Moses. Those they had, they didn't have, quote unquote, their New Testament. They were living the New Testament. And here they are, and they're praying that someone would come and that someone would present in light of the Old Testament scriptures, Jesus. They were looking for somebody to connect the dots. Somebody who, who could make the case for the promised Messiah to be Jesus Christ. And while they're praying, and while those things are going on in their hearts and minds, God is working. He's speaking to Paul and the apostles who want to go someplace else. And God said, I want you to go someplace else. I want you to go to a place where you can bring the gospel message to Europe. That's where God wants to send them. Paul and his missionary partner, Silas, figured they had to head to Asia. But verse 6 and 7 say, Paul and Silas were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach in Asia or in Bithynia. There are, they're like a lot of us. We think we have to do something because doing nothing is unacceptable. Something, sometimes, the Bible tells us we have to slow down. Sometimes we have to wait on the Lord. Sometimes we want to rush into things. Let me tell you something. 
when I've, in my life, I've tried rushing into things in business only to find out rushing into those things was not a good idea. Sometimes you have to be more deliberative. Psalm 25, verse 3, the first half of the verse says, Yea, let none that wait on thee be ashamed. The word wait there is the word trust, to be patient. Paul and Silas, trust the Lord to send you. Psalm 37, 7, the first half, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. The Lord may send you where you want to go, or like Jonah, he may send you where you don't want to go, or the third alternative is he will send you where no man has gone before. You may wind up in totally foreign areas. How many missionaries? Laura Moyer, who was my spiritual mother, prayed to God because so many of her friends became missionaries in Africa. And she really prayed that God would send her to Africa. That's where her heart, she believed, was set. Where did God send her? To Brooklyn, New York. Same thing. Brooklyn, New York is a jungle. But there she was. See, God can send you places that run contrary to your thinking, and he did that in her case. And let me tell you something. She led so many people to Jesus. She went to a church where it was an Italian mission, and there was hardly any English spoken. She didn't speak any Italian. She had never seen a meatball. Can you imagine? And yet that's where God sends her? And yet somehow or another, out of the love of God and the love of Jesus Christ, she was able to communicate that love to such a degree that people welcomed her and loved her, took her in, and she led so many of us young people to Jesus. The Holy Spirit sees the big picture. He knows how to distribute the human resources under his command. It's an obvious statement to say that God knows what we don't he will shut the door to keep us from going where we are not needed or wanted, and he will open the door where we are needed. Paul, you're not in Asia. You are indeed and needed in Macedonia. I don't need you there, even though that's what you think. I need you someplace else. So how does God send that message to Paul? Paul's got this in his head, and God's got this in his plan. So verse 9 of the text says, A vision appears to Paul in the night. What was that vision? The Bible says the form of a man. We don't know if it was an angel or a man or Jesus, but the account doesn't say that, and the messenger and the message are quite clear. The message says in verse 9, come over to Macedonia and help us. That's the whole deal. That's the itinerary. That's the plan. It's God's plan. Verse 10, after God says, go, Paul and Silas go immediately. This is very different than what happened in Jonah's case, remember? God said to Jonah, go! And Jonah said to God, no! So he had to go where God sent him under duress, but Paul and Silas didn't go under duress. Over there in Macedonia, read Europe, people are praying. They're praying to know the living God in a personal way. Oh, how my heart wishes and prays and desires that people would be praying to come to know Jesus as Savior. That people who love people who are unsaved are praying that their loved ones who are unsaved would come to know Jesus Christ. Are you praying for people in your life who you know don't know Jesus? Or are you just skipping along in your life 
letting those people who don't know Christ go their own way. Why do you think God's put you in their life? He's put you there to influence those people, to speak to those people, to pray for those people, to bring those people to a place where they can come to know Jesus Christ by virtue of the way you live and the way you speak. People say, it's too hard for me to speak to people about Jesus. I don't think I feel qualified for that. Can I make another suggestion? Bring them to church. You can do that. You can carry them with you to church and sit here and we'll do the rest. Paul has learned that God creates divine appointments, opportunities for the gospel to be shared. These are moments you had nothing to do with. You couldn't make them happy. You couldn't program them to happen. You can't follow chapter 10 of some Christian self-help book and run a checklist that says this is what you do. So many groups have tried to do that, but there's nothing that competes with one-to-one evangelism. There's been nothing more successful than the Andrew principle, and that is when Jesus called Andrew, he called his brothers, and they called others, and they called others. It's a kind of amazing multiplication that's algebraic. If you can reach one person, they can reach another. But it's your responsibility to start the process your responsibility in your sphere of influence. You know people I don't know. You can speak to them the way I can't. They expect me to say certain things. They expect me to be a certain way, but when you turn around and you say those self-same things and you treat them in that self-same way, guess what happens? They believe you. They trust you. And they want to know more about what you're living like. The Holy Spirit promises he will do his part. Now he expects you to do your part. He will do the rest. Your part is to show up, and your part is to speak up. Paul says it this way in Ephesians 6, 19 and 20. And for me, that utterance, that freedom of speech may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds that there I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Are you speaking boldly? You're free to speak to the people in your sphere of influence, but you know what's happening? You're being intimidated. You're being made to feel that, oh, maybe they don't want to hear it. Or maybe they don't want to hear it. Or maybe I did it before and they weren't listening and I I just got so discouraged. Don't be discouraged. The Bible never says stop praying. The Bible says never stop speaking until God tells you otherwise. The gospel is best served when we allow God to prepare the heart of those with whom we come in contact. When the Lord opens the door, our job, walk through. Paul and Silas are led to a riverbank where, that God-fear, where the God-fearers regularly come to pray. No building, no church building. They find a group of faithful witness, and one in particular. Her name is Lydia. Her name is derived from the word Lydian. It's Greek, and it means to trust. It means committed unto. It means a deposit. She is a person in whom the gospel is going to be deposited. And that gospel is going to spread through Europe because you know why? Because she and her group of women and her family are going to speak up for Jesus. They're going to put in a word for Jesus. When is the last time you or I put in a good word for Jesus? 
to the people in our sphere of influence. Pastor, you're pushing a little hard on that today. Yeah, I have a sense of urgency. I have the sense that people in my sphere of influence are dying without Jesus. I have a sense of urgency that people in your sphere of influence are dying without Jesus. They know you, they see you, they listen to you, they work with you, they play with you, they experience you, and they don't even know you're a Christian. God doesn't have secret agents. We're supposed to be obvious. Paul said, I'm an ambassador. An ambassador sets up residence and everybody knows where it is and who he is. You're an ambassador. Lydia will be the first European conversion to whom the gospel is given and received. She came from the city of Thyatira, a city listed in Romans chapter two, which was a much worse than New York City. Much, much worse than anything that's going on that we can recount. It's, an over, it's, it's overtaken by pagan worship, but the culture, as bad as that culture that she lived in, it did not overcome her. It did not corrupt her. She, in fact, stood against it. And she fought with the truth of Scripture given her by the God of Scripture. She had come from Thyatira, where Paul and Silas were forbidden by the Lord to go. Now catch this. She's in Thyatira. They're in desperate need of the gospel there. Paul and Silas were thinking they should go there, but they didn't. They couldn't because God stopped them. And what did they wind up doing? They wound up going exactly where Lydia was going, and she didn't even know why she was there. She was in Macedonia. Divine appointments work both ways. The sender and the receiver will be in the right place at the right time. So the people who God wants you to speak to, they will be in your life, positioned to see you, positioned to hear you, and it won't come across like you're trying to do something, shove something down their throat. So many people in our culture want to shove their ideas down our throat. They want to shove, shove their, their uh, politics down our throat. We want to do that. We can't do that. The only thing we can do is prayerfully, lovingly speak to the people who know us in our sphere of influence and share the gospel with them. Now, there are going to be times when God will have you share some, uh, the, the gospel with somebody you never met. We've got some people here who do street ministry. Brother Frank goes down to Trenton, and he meets people regularly who we don't know, doesn't know them, and yet he has an opportunity to share the gospel with them, known or unknown. You're the, you're the sender, someone is the receiver. Your steps are ordered by the Lord. Listen to Psalm 1-3. The believer is like a tree planted by rivers of water. Paul and Silas are led to the river. Lydia is led to the river, and the gospel is presented. There's no coincidence behind that. Lydia worshiped God according to the knowledge she had, but it was not enough to be a worshiping God. There must be believers and followers of Jesus Christ. They needed, at this point in God's history, to come to know Jesus Christ, to find salvation. There is no coming to God as Father but by Jesus. Amen? Is there any other way? Do you know a better way or a different way? There are people who are going to tell you there are many ways to God, but the Bible contradicts that. Who are you going to believe? You need to believe God's Word. There's but one way. And if there's but one way, you know it. You have the quote-unquote secret sauce of salvation. It's Jesus. 
It's your job to tell. It's my job to tell. Well, pastor, it's really your job. It's not my job. It's all of our job. You in your small corner of the world and me in mine. And wherever we go, we are representatives of Jesus Christ. And there's no way around that. And one day, let me tell you, God's going to look you right in the eye. And he's going to want to know what you did with the opportunities that he presented you with. Because he makes divine appointments. And that divine appointment that you blew by, that you passed up, that you rejected, that you walked away from, is one day going to be staring you right in the face at the judgment seat of Christ. You're going to have to give an explanation for that. God did his part. He opened Lydia's heart to the word, and she did her part. Her part was to make a profession of Jesus Christ as Savior. God did his part. Lydia did her part, and Paul did his. He preached the word of the Lord, and prayers were answered, and lives were changed. I want to turn to Romans chapter 10 and share again with you a very important scripture. Romans chapter 10, verses 12 to 17. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord is over all, is rich unto all that call upon him. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be what? That's everybody and anybody, right? Your, your friends are whosoever's. 14. And then shall they call upon him. And how then shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach except they, they be sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel for Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Who's gonna tell? Who's the tellers? Who's the senders? the receivers of the people in your life. It's not my words, it's not my philosophy, it's not my wisdom, it's not my presentation that is life transforming. It's the simple, clear, unvarnished presentation of the Word of God presented by the Holy Spirit through whomever He can use that will touch hearts and minds. God does not discriminate. Now, people say that Christianity is a white man's religion. But Jesus Christ is in every man and woman's faith. The first European converted is a woman. In his three-year ministry, Jesus reached out to the untouchables, the lepers, the hated, the Samaritans. The apostle Paul led a black man to Christ. Paul discipled a slave, Philemon. The gospel is for the rich. The gospel is for the poor the weak, the powerful, the outcast, and the rejected. It cuts across all dividing lines and all barriers. It's for everybody. Galatians 3, 26 through 28. For ye are all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have been put on Christ. These is, there, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. The world is looking for unity. The world is looking to bring together. I got news for you. They can't do it. Politics doesn't bring people together. We know that by now, don't we? Politicians stand in front of us and say, I want to be a uniter. And the first thing out of their mouth is to knock the other party as quickly as they possibly can and call the followers of the other party nothing but a bunch of fill-in-the-blanks. I don't know where your mind went on that. 
Business doesn't bring people together. Education doesn't bring people together. Sports doesn't. Religion doesn't. And life doesn't. Verse 15 of our text says, Lydia and her families received Christ and they were baptized. Would you like to see your family saved? What you have to do is live out your faith and speak the truth. When Lydia's heart was opened, her house was opened. She wanted to show her love for Christ and his people in the best way she could. She fed them. Sounds like a brethren thing. They were strangers in town. She gave them room to stay, and in all probability, there were daily conversations centered around the word. This is the believer's pattern of conversion. I want to share this with you before I close. It starts out like this, a divine appointment. The word spoken clearly, truthfully, and lovingly. The Holy Spirit prepares the heart in response the individual in recognition of their sin and need of the Savior, receive him. Bible says that they repent. They enter into the waters of baptism. They embrace the family of faith, the church. They're disciples so they know what they believe and why they believe it. And as they grow, they become involved in ministry using their gifts to further Jesus Christ's kingdom. That's you. I'm going to ask you one question this morning. Is there somebody in your life whom you know needs Jesus? And in the course of my sharing with you this morning, that person came into your mind. Right now, is there somebody in your mind who you know needs Jesus? Do you feel the moving of the Holy Spirit to speak to that person in the days and weeks ahead? You can't save them. You can't save anybody, but you can speak to everybody. If you do your part, the speaking, by virtue of the fact that they've seen your living, they're going to believe what you have to say. Just tell them what Jesus has done in your life that's made a difference. That's all you have to do. You may not have all the scripture, be able to nail them all down chapter and verse, but you can tell them, this is what Jesus has done in my life since I gave my heart to him. And I've seen the things that you're going through in your life. And I just want to ask you, would you like to have Jesus live in your life as he's living in mine now? And may I share how to do that? That's what I'm asking you this morning. Would you see, if you see that person in your mind's eye right now, would you right now say, I want to share the gospel. I want Jesus to give me a divine appointment. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Pastor, I would just like the Lord to open up a door of opportunity for me to share the gospel with so-and-so. If the Lord's laid somebody on your heart this morning, would you raise your hand? A lot of people. Father God, this morning, I pray for these folks. I pray you will open the door. We're not going to force the door down. We're not going to push our faith in Jesus in anybody's face. But it's going to just take place naturally. I pray for the natural opening of an opportunity for one of these brothers and sisters to just speak the name of Jesus into the circumstance that that person has brought them to. I pray this morning, Lord, that you would help them to be, have the presence of mind to be good listeners when you provide the clue and the opportunity and the question or the statement that'll open up their voice to speak about Jesus. 
And then, Lord, give them the words to say. Father, we love you, and we just want to let folks know how far that unconditional love can go in their life. Pray all these things in Jesus' name.